Hello and welcome to the Curious Anarchy podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and Shiloh. Gonna say hello? No, just say hello. Say hello, Curious Anarchy listeners. I hope you're all doing really well today. Mark, how are you? Um, I hope you and Shiloh are doing really well today. Hello. Fantastic. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of Curious Muse, right here on the Curious Anarchy podcast with myself, Jermaine and Mark. What have you got in store for us today, Mark? Well, before I start, I just want to say this, that uh, I was lucky over the weekend to catch a few of the things that you put out and um, I will reiterate what I've been saying for a good eight months now, which is how on earth did a major network not sign you up? It's beyond any common sense I'm aware of, so... There it is. But anyway, so I thought we could start today, Jermaine, given that we're probably about almost two years into the Brexit process. What? Four, more like, or five? No, well, sorry, two years into Boris's Brexit. Oh, yeah. I'm making a differentiation because he made promises about Brexit. So I'm making a differentiation. I can't hold him accountable for promises other people made. But he made certain yeah. promises that were fundamental in people swinging towards uh, voting to, to leave the European Union. So we, we've left the European Union and we also, people also invested in voting for Boris. So those two things happened amid a set of promises that he promised the community, particularly the community that left the so-called Labour camp. So he made specific promises. He also made promises to his voting target audience which is mainly the elderly um, and mainly the north of England so he wanted those two groups to stay with him so I thought it was appropriate today which is the, is the week of the Conservative Party conference to explore some of the promises that they made and I'm lucky that BBC News have printed some of the promises and we can look at where we are with them before we go on to the actual news side of things so I'm going to run down it quickly, Jermaine, and you can, you can have a pop at whether you think they've been met or not. Number one, delivering 50,000 more nurses and 6,000 more doctors. What's your view on that nope. one? No, nope, not been done. Aren't they, so still by... aren't they still recruiting well, for nurses? Aren't they still recruiting for doctors? Like, aren't they still, like, Yes, yes they are. And also, bear in mind, we lost, we lost a lot of people who went back to Europe because they weren't... Oh, English. yeah. Yeah, they didn't have um, stay or, or something, or the right visas or whatever it was. Um, interesting, interesting. So we've had a whole demographic of people leave the uh, the, the health services. Okay. So listen to this. Of, of GPs, there were 34,300 something in place on July the 20th, July 2021. Wow. Do you want to know how many more that is than December 2019 when he made that promise? How many? 108. Oh, I would have said about 500, but I think even yeah, that you'd, been, you'd have been way overestimated. <laughs> either way, by either measures, we are at least 6,000 off, off what he promised. At wow. least. It's okay. That, so we can allow him that. 6,000 off and it's been two years. 
Yeah, and, and, and given the fact that, you know, we've had a lot of people leave, go back to Europe because of Brexit, um, which we could never have foreseen that coming, could we? You know, people that Absolutely were from Spain no and places. I mean, yeah, you know, like people from abroad not being able to stay here and, and to continue working. Shocking. I think I'm right in saying that the two nurses that treated him when he had COVID have both left the country since. I did hear that. Yeah, so, so, all right, we'll move on. And you know what? You know when they do these little performative, honorary, little ceremonial type things, like the the gentleman that scaled a building, a a building that was on fire to save a... That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You'd have thought he'd have come out and just given them the grace and just says, you know what? No, 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 allow that. No, 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 no. Doesn't work like that. Anyway, I mean, we knew that from... The promises he made to people in Afghanistan. So we'll leave that. But, but what's interesting? interesting? But what I'm saying is com- the situation I was just talking about. What's his name? Macron came out and gave that guy his visas to be able to stay. No, we don't work like that. Boris never worked like. Which has no. never worked like the French. Never ever. Really? Now, really? Jermaine, <laughs> what was the promise on the bus? Let's not create rivalries now. Um, 350 million was it 350 million per year for the no, NHS? not a year i think it was a week a week it wasn't a year it was a it was a, a go and revisit it i'm certain it wasn't a year it was it was like a month or something it wasn't a big number like it was literally we're gonna get gain that much from leaving europe that we'll go back into the health services when you can, when you in, when you remember for later on in this discussion that they're putting up the national insurance to pay for support in in the health service, what happened to the 150 million? 350, yeah, 350 million a week it is. You're right. Thank yeah. you. Um, so what happened to that? <clears throat> what? Is, listen, listen. Money just seems to go missing. I All don't right. know if if like like you keep saying this whole. Um, drink up in a brewery Shiloh's with us yeah, yeah. Um, thank you very much just gave me a kiss on the cheek Shiloh um, <laughs> thank you very much um, it's it's like they they are that person or that, that group of people out of all of the staff that are fiddling with the tills that's what they're doing, and then I mean, I've got to tell you this, Jermaine. The numbers, and they're, they're they're trying to cover their tracks, and somebody's Jermaine. gonna somebody's gonna get found out. Very I, shortly. I went sure. back to watching. Like to I went back to watching The Wire, and every penny is accountable in that program. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, like they they can't spend fifty p on drugs without it being accounted for. Somehow, right, three hundred fifty right. million a day, a week, it's, or whatever it is, can't be found. Much petty cash <laughs> so that was the whole remember when, why we left Europe that was one of the reasons was we'd get that money mm-hmm. to be able to spend more on making Britain yeah, great again so yeah. anyway let's move on to the next one You, I'm sure you remember this one I don't know many people in the country that don't there'd be 20,000 more police on duty in the UK now bear that um, in mind yeah. against the backdrop of last week of the whole um, Sarah Everard yeah exactly so bear that in mind. So the, the, one of the promises then, to keep women then, safe. If, if we just track it back just slightly, last year we had the protests, and we also yeah, exactly. had a lot of uh, these—not not even protests. These these hooligans basically coming down, talking about protecting statues and whatnot. What happened there? 
So, so you have to remember we that had lockdown. We had lockdown, and people were being arrested for ridiculous reasons. The police weren't even sure of the bloody guidelines themselves. Yeah, but you're talking about policing. I'm talking about the actual numbers of police. But we're talking about policing due to the numbers of police. Why were they out hassling people when there's on a, on a simplistic level? One of the promises to women is that they'll be safer on the streets because there'll be more police officers on the beat. But they clearly haven't got enough to be able to provide. Well, hold on, they promised twenty thousand more. Right. So how how many have they? Uh, right. Taken? So the latest figures up to t- June thirtieth of June Less than less than two thousand. Show an extra nine thousand recruited. Oh. This is compared with two thousand March two thousand nineteen, when the baseline that the home, home office used was to target 20,000. With fewer than two years until the deadline, so it was meant to be 20,000 by 2023, it appears the government is on course to reach its target. But critics continue to point out to the fact that this does not compensate for the 20,000 officer reduction. So they reduced the force by 20,000, mm-hmm. and now they're going to increase it by 20,000, which means we're only going to go back to square one. We're not, so we're not all, increasing. All they're doing is, is basically letting people go and then bringing them back. Yeah, basically. But what they're doing is, imagine you had five Sounds DJs. like swings and roundabouts to me. Imagine you had five DJs and you sack them and then you bring back five DJs and you said, like, we've increased to five DJs. And you haven't. You've gone back to where we started. <laughs> well, number three, Jermaine, because I'm going I'm to rattle through because we're 10 minutes in. Get Brexit done. Has Brexit no. been done? I don't know what Brexit... Like, I, you know what? I think what we really needed... Um, which is something that kind of came up shortly after the the referendum was we don't really know the definition of Brexit. Exactly, what is Brexit? Okay, well you, now you're getting philosophical. I'm saying as a pro as a project. Oh. The point was we'd leave Europe and we'd have Brexit done. Has Brexit been done? Is it now? A, a, this this a, is the thing. This is the thing, Mark. Like we 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 thought we'd just be leaving the EU. Everything would be sorted. We'd be able to continue doing, you know, flying into the 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 what do you call it, the Canary Islands and and what have you, um, and and be able to continue doing the things that we were doing before. Right, I want to take you down a journey. I want to take you down a journey. Before Brexit, European drivers would bring fuel and, and food and wheat etc to this country without any problems right and then they, they drive back and take stuff from england into europe so that's that's how the process worked that that was our everyday that was our experience that was we our never, day-to-day experience yes. you know what it was so good you never heard about it right now what the reason why they could do that was a thing called free movement that meant that you could move across any european state if you're from europe without having to be hassled by paperwork, passport controls, all that sort of stuff. So in other words, it was like as if it, Europe was one country, you could just drive to Manchester without any hassle. That was the point, right? Now, Boris promised a Brexit done deal when we left uh, the European community. And in theory, everything should be better now, not worse. So I'm gonna ask you a question. Go on. Have we resolved fishing rights? I don't think so. Well, the answer is no, we haven't. Have we resolved the dispute around the border in Northern Ireland? No. Right. Have we resolved... Like, I I don't even need... (laughs) 
I've heard nothing about the, the border with Northern Ireland. If they'd have sorted it, we'd all know. Right, I'm going to ask you two more questions. To your, the best of your knowledge, and to the best of Shiloh's knowledge, are there shops in Europe that are suffering from shortages of things because people cannot deliver the food to the shops, to the stores? Well, in Europe... I think not including the UK, not including the UK, just in the rest of um, Europe. But in, in the EU, I very much doubt. <laughs> well, okay, so is there a problem with fuel in the rest of Europe? So are there places in Europe that drivers can't get fuel? See, this is the thing. I don't think there's actually a problem with fuel over here. I'm asking you whether anywhere else in Europe, is there a problem with going to a petrol station and putting petrol in your car? I'm not sure what it's like today, but I know that it has been easing. Um, we did have the issues, yes. Um, but yeah. no, 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 you're not. You're asking a different question. I didn't ask you an update on how we're doing. I asked you what in Europe is there another place that you've heard of where there are shortages and people can't get petrol? Um, not that I know of. Right now, with you, you talked about getting better here. I can tell you that three weeks ago we had twenty-four percent what we needed a week ago we had 34 percent this week we've had 48 percent but still london has not got fuel to the point that the soldiers are now being used to get fuel and order to to london and the south so wait so they they have soldiers driving trucks now from today soldiers will be actively getting petrol to stations in london so where are they getting the petrol from? Are they bringing it? No, there was never a problem with petrol. The problem was getting the petrol from where it originates yeah. to the to the shops. This is, this is what I mean. So are we talking about once it's here in the UK, or are we talking about them going to where we get the petrol from and bringing it over? Both, both. Oh wow, that's that's a hell of a military operation. Yeah, but it's but not, imagine, it's imagine hundred, right? No, but there's only a hundred. Not too long drivers. Ago. Not too long ago, we were on a rush to get out of Afghanistan. Yes. Right. All of a sudden, all of our troops have come home. We're really pleased with that, to be honest with you. I'm very much against military action and all of that kind of thing. I, I don't like the idea of war, full stop. But I will say, it must really suck to be a soldier doing what you do, to now be coming back into your own country and be doing delivery work I'm just saying to you that we're using soldiers now to get petrol and gas and diesel that is available to the shops this is under Brexit what what, what have we resorted to what is it well we were told under Brexit this would be smooth running all of this would be smooth running we'd have enough workers in place because we like, so they did the maths let's say you've got five million on the dole and if those five, half of those five million become truck drivers we're sorted <laughs> right now so so the point is we're trying to look at you and i today discussing brexit so we're looking at the whole deal so what is working so far we've hit three points none of them are working smoothly at all two years into the process four years if i if i go with your uh go back to patrice and may but under boris his promise two years ago standing on the, the downing streets of downing street steps of downing street he made a promise so far, we're going through it. So, Australian-style points process for immigration. Interesting. The process has not been all plain sailing, leaving the EU single market 
is one of the factors that's contributed to the HG driver shortage because EU drivers can no longer come and go as they please. The government yeah. has been forced to introduce 5,000 temporary visas. Now, here's a question for you, Jermaine. We've got shortages and we're going to get shortages in lots of different areas. So are we going to issue temporary visas to lots of, like, for example, if we need meat for Christmas? Are we going to order more and more temporary visas? Also, I'm just thinking about the future. Are we, is this going to become an annual thing? Right. So, so the question is, we left thing. Europe, which was the, the idea of freedom of movement. <laughs> Do you remember the idea was you could move freely across Europe? So now we can't do that yeah. anymore. Right. Drivers will be able to move freely into the UK if they get a visa, but we can't go there. So what we've effectively done is impose sanctions on ourselves. <laughs> or am I missing something here? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It is not, ridiculous. Am I missing it? Is that is that not right, what I'm saying? <laughs> So in other words, a driver from, if I was a Spanish driver, I can drive to the UK if I get a temporary visa. But I, if I'm an yeah. English driver, I can't go to Spain because I'm no longer part of the free movement of the European movement. Mm, access denied. Okay, so let's go to the next one. Now, this is a big one because this is the, this is the biggest one for one of the key blocks of voters. Triple lock on pensions. We've got an increasing elderly population, many of whom have worked all their lives so they could have a pension to live on when they retire. Mm -hmm. And they were promised a triple lock. So in other words, they wouldn't lose out on... on so they would get one of these three things. So whichever is the highest, they would get the rate at which prices are rising, average wages or 2.5%. So whichever was the highest, they would get on their pension. Oh, yeah. Now, did that work? Has that has that is that in, in place? Um, not sure it is. Not sure it is at all. Is it? No, not even close. They've they deliberately uh, backtracked on the triple lock, and they're not going to use it now. It's been suspended. Sorry, I said they will use it. It's been suspended. Oh wow! Because of the unique situation of the pandemic. They're absolutely full of. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it's like everything is an excuse. The, the pandemic is an excuse for everything. Oh, no, okay, oh, let's give him a chance. Hold on, hold on. We've got another one here. Let's try this one. We will give probably. Him a let's try this one because this one's a biggie. If we can do this, that's at least proving some stability. We would proudly maintain our commitment to spend 0.7% of the gross national income on development. How much did they spend on development? Spending will return to 0.7, the government says, but only when the government is not borrowing money from day to day and there's no underlying debt. So it doesn't really matter about the 0.7% because they're borrowing money anyway. Exactly. So we can cross that one off. Now, here's a good one. This is a great <laughs> one because this, you'll love this one because this one we don't even have to spend any time on. We promise not to raise the rates of income tax, national insurance, or VAT. Oh, man. That's a promise. Oh, in their that commitment. was in their manifesto, right? Yeah, exactly. And now look what's happening. The last promise was, we will lead the global fight against climate change by delivering on a world-leading target of net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Wow. Are we on target for that? 
Well, the, the Climate Change Committee has suggested that it, the government has credible policies in place to deliver only about a fifth of this cut. Hmm. A fifth. So we said we want to be the world leaders of this. And the shining beacon. The shining beacon, thank you. And we're only in place to do a fifth of what we promised. So when we ask other countries why they're not pulling their weight, bear in mind we're only ca- we're only on target to hit a fifth of what we promised. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't look good. Now there's a big thing came up this week weekend. Sorry, a huge thing came up about about corruption, about people offshores offshore banking, the amount of billionaires that have got money in offshore accounts. Because certain I, just, papers... I just want to put that word uh, corruption in italics for now. But yeah, we'll, I've got something I wanted to speak well, about. Yeah, well, uh, I want to talk about the Pandora Papers. Oh, yeah. Are you aware of this? I am. And this, apparently, this is not the first one. No, it's not. But this is the one that's come out this weekend. The mm. Pandora's Papers expose millions in hidden assets. So while everyone else is paying more on tax and suffering, one million people will become unemployed today when the furlough scheme stops. While all that is happening, papers have been released that show how many people have got hidden offshore finances. And still the country sit there and go, that's okay, they probably deserve to have it, or that's okay because, you know, they probably worked hard for their money and all this nonsense. To justify why huge amounts of money that should be in tax and spent on the country are languishing in bank accounts abroad in the Cayman Islands and places like that. Surprising? Uh, how surprising is that for us, really? Mm, what would you say? Not very at all. This is a, So the Pandora Papers is a partial list of people named as shareholders, directors and beneficiaries of offshore companies. In total, 35 current national leaders appear in the leak, along with 400 officials from nearly 100 countries. More than 100 billion billionaires, 29,000 offshore accounts, 30 current and former leaders, and 300 public officials. An estimated 32 trillion may be hidden from being taxed. Can you imagine? And, and they've been talking about how the world owes like millions and trillions and trillions in debt. To who? And where is this yeah, money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that, Jermaine. Exactly that. From the point of view of people always say, oh, you know, don't have a go at the rich and don't pick on the rich. And, you know, they've earned their money. They're not paying any tax. So a man goes to work in the post office all his life. He pays tax every week, every month. These people aren't paying tax. Right. And have no problem with not paying tax. And then he's having his or her uh, pension impacted, having his or her uh, national insurance contribution right. increased. And um, then people, and then and then the population do nothing. So okay, fine. Let's move to the next story. To- Tory donor, the Tory donor. This came out of the papers. Mohammed Amersi was involved in telecoms corruption scandal. He's given 525,000 to the Tory party since 2018. And leaked documents reveal how it? he worked. Second? Is that it? Wait, wait. 
Leaked documents reveal how he worked on a series of controversial deals for a Swedish telecoms company that was later fined seven hundred million pounds by in the US. Wow. <laughs> That talk about um, sound investment. He was also involved in a controversial uh, off- secret offshore company that earned two hundred twenty million that Panorama exposed. Ah, uh, yeah. The firm was controlled by Gulnara Kurmanov, the daughter of the then president of Uzbekistan, and the payment was described by the U.S. authorities as a two hundred twenty million pound bribe. These are the people running our country, and we're fine with it because, hey ho, we're honest people. This, this, it sounds like a film. It sounds like Fast and Furious or something, you know. Well, it does, gonna, doesn't it? We're going to capture and kidnap and hold this to ransom. That's exactly what it sounds like, Jermaine. It's like, whoa! This, this is, this is. We need uh, a Leslie. Is it Leslie Nielsen? I'm taken. Liam Nielsen. Liam. Liam Nielsen. Nee- 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 Nielsen, yeah. <laughs> Nielsen. <laughs> we need him. Uh, right Somebody now, I need him. I need Omar from the from the wire right yeah. now. But I mean, what what's interesting about all this is how they're openly getting away with this corruption. There's no issue with it whatsoever. Mm. And and the trickle down effect is we suffer. And we pay taxes, and we go bankrupt, and we have huge problems. People kill themselves because they can't afford to feed their family. And all of this is like a game for these people. This is like a big game of Monopoly where we don't count. And it's interesting because people don't care. Like, they're still bitching on about why Trump didn't get elected. That's irrelevant. Such a minor player in this. So much money being hidden from the world for what? Um, my last thing I want to come back to because we didn't get a chance to do it on Friday and I wanted to talk about it on Friday was the advice by the police and the government for women if someone stops them who claims to be a police officer. Did you catch this story? I haven't caught that one. No, so so this yeah. was advice what to do. You, 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 you spoke earlier about the Sarah Everard case. If this happens again, what happened in the Sarah Everard case is a police officer, an actual police officer, stopped her, handcuffed her, put her in a car, raped and killed her. Mm-hmm. So people are saying, what could she have done instead? So here's the advice. The guy in charge of, 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 of uh, the country, like the Home Office, Home Secretary or whatever, or Foreign Secretary, I can't remember what he is, his advice was to dial 999. So let's put this in. No, but let's put this into proportion. Imagine a friend of yours, your sister, your daughter, was stopped by a man claiming to be a police officer. And when he's about to handcuff her, she says, Hold on a minute, I just want to phone 999. How do you think that would be dealt with? Let's say it was a real copper. How do you think that would be dealt with? Yeah, right. (laughs) I don't think it would be dealt with as nicely as that, but that would be the response, yes. Not a chance. You know what? You know what? I'm I'm actually thinking maybe I have heard of that story in brief, but I, yeah. Okay. So, so I want to give you the other options. The police on the. I want to give you the other options. The idea of calling the police on the police doesn't make yes. any. Sense. But I'm going to give you the other options that people suggested. This is people in like people like in charge of the police, etc. Suggested run away, 
jump on a bus or go or stop a taxi? Now, I'm going to ask you, I don't know what a contact you've had with the British police before. I don't know about contact. I've had uh, a few uh, contacts with them. When they were stopping you, if they wanted to investigate you, if they just wanted to ask you questions and you ran away, what do you think might happen? They might think ill of me and give chase and right. something may well end up happening to me that didn't need to happen right so let's try something else what happens if you try to jump on a passing bus um you'd have to be in central for that but just say you were because i think that's where you know you've got to be somewhere where the, like you know wimbledon common that sort of thing where there's buses but let's just say uh sorry clapham common i was thinking you know where there's bus routes the open well, doors yeah yeah well this sir edward happened on a main street it wasn't a back street. It was a main street it happened on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's on a main street. She jumps on a bus. What happens? What happens indeed? Well, what do you think might happen? What, what would the police happen? do in that circumstance? She she jumps on a bus. She's she's got away. No. Or uh, well, this person has got away and, and got on a bus. What then happens? Are they pursued? The bus gets stopped. Are they followed? The bus gets stopped. Stabilised. Buses go to 20 miles an hour. Police cars go 80 miles an hour. It's not rocket science. The bus and gets also, stopped. I wanted to. I want also wanted to bring up the the other issue as well, where I don't know which taxi yeah, you're yeah. going to be trying to stop yeah. at, at whatever I, time of night it was. But I swear there was. I, I, I have problems getting black cabs wasn't it Mark Duggan or someone well, someone was in a minicab I'm sure when they got shot um, one of these people got shot when they were in a minicab I swear down I remember one story and it was something like Mark Duggan he was actually in a minicab it might have been Mark I can't remember but it was it was one of it's one of the people that got shot in their you know chased by the police but here's another thing let's talk about the officer and his colleagues who did the who did the murder did you catch the story about what his nickname was in the squad rapey or something like that no the rapist yeah that was his nickname yeah he was on a whatsapp group with other officers and that was his nickname do you know what job is jobs he's had in the past because he was a marksman you know what jobs he's had in the past Oh wow! Okay, go on. He was in charge of entry to to Parliament. Interesting. So you know how the police keep coming out and going, you know, we're disowning this isn't a guy that was in the police force. Mm-hmm. He was very much deeply embedded into the police force. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying very it's clear. interesting. It's interesting that they disown him, and yet he was clearly he wasn't and, and some. That- it wasn't someone unless, walking on the street for two minutes a day sort of thing. This is a guy unless, that... <laughs> unless we're about to find out that um, he's actually hired from an agency or something. Highly unlikely. He was yeah. there for a long time. I, I, right. I find that highly unlikely. Really highly unlikely that that was the case. And, and just before we kind of, you know, end up going on with this one, I really want to intercept here and talk about imposters, right? Oh, yeah, go um, on. Obviously, the Sarah Everard thing is is kind of beginning to come to a conclusion, and we will follow that. Um, but just for a moment here, 
Have you heard of a gentleman called William Chandler? No. Okay, he's a, a South African gentleman, um, I believe, and he was flying a plane or flying planes for South African Airways for 20 years. Um, recently, due to a reportable incident, it's been found out that he'd actually had fake license. I swear I saw this film with, um, wasn't that the film with Leonardo DiCaprio where he pretends to be a pilot? Yeah, was it Catch Me If You Can or something? That was it, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He, he did several different, he, no, he but that was several part different of his, hats, you should part, say. Part of his fakeness was being a pilot, wasn't it? I swear. Yeah, yeah. So, so this guy had been flying for 20 years on a I fake line. There were stories in the past of people pretending to be uh, surgeons who were trained medically. Mm. Mm. This isn't anything new. If you if you put your mind to it, no one's going to properly stop you. This is the thing you think about it. Like how much anxiety would that raise in you? Like thinking, oh, oh my gosh, I flew on South African Airways and this pilot didn't have a, a bloody license. Like, why didn't they just give him a license? Why didn't they just give him the the, the, the official training and give him the license? Well, you know what, what's also interesting is that if you consider that the people that did the twin towers got their licenses and this guy didn't. Wow. Um, it's interesting. He's flown for wow. 20 years. There's seemed to have been so far no problems from it. And right. these guys learnt uh, so they could crash it into a into a building. But um That's neither here nor there, really, is it? Well, it's just interesting that you know the process of selecting people who you think are capable of doing these things is all I'm saying. Mm. And it's also going back going back to the Sarah Everard case because exactly. this is a case that that's, that's it's a broad stroke. It's not just Sarah Everard, mm -hmm. there's several others. Um, there's Sabina Nessa um, and a few others, a few, a, a load, a truckload of others, yeah, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is about the the culture within the police. Um, and what they're looking at doing is they're looking to do some sort of revetting process where they revet all the officers. I don't know, maybe they're just going to do it as a one-off thing or maybe they're going to do it on a, an annual basis, maybe, or biannual, I don't know. But, yeah, but they say that they have these spurs. Potentially, they're looking into some sort of way of hopefully being able to assess the. Uh, no, they the, say they say this every now and again. Weed have a, out those who are not. No, uh, you, they say this in every field, in social working, education. Mm -hmm. As soon as you have mm -hmm. a crisis, they have this, this like, oh, we're going to be vigilant. And it lasts for about two weeks. I mean, really, it's, it's absolutely time and time again we've seen that it, on them. it doesn't work because they don't, they're not that, but they're not that committed to it. And you know what? You know what? As well, the thing about that, and I know that we're kind of going on, I really want to be brief with this one, but I think that if we ended up doing some sort of revetting process, I think it would lead to what BLM was protesting about last year. Well, not BLM, but some people were calling for last year about defunding the police. I think we could see. A, a slew of police and yet again against this 20,000 target being lost so I'm I'm holding fire on that one <laughs> let's say do you have any more news then before because we've 35 minutes any more news on your mind I haven't I haven't, I haven't. <laughs> that, I've got one all. thing I want to add just to do with um, Go on. Black, Black History Month mmm 
yes, as you know, October yeah. is is the month that we recognise the the injustices to black people and the history of black people. And the rest of the year, we can kindly kindly forget about that. So for 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 October, I thought it was very interesting. I saw an article by the striker who plays for Chelsea, Robinu Lukaku. He's just come from playing in Italy, where he faced a lot of racism. And obviously, he faces racism in the UK because he's a very strong, powerful player. And his the opposition fans don't like him. And he said something, which how true it was, and yet how ignored this actual statement is, if you like. He said, if it's possible to stop the European Super League in a week, why haven't they tried to stop racism in a week? <laughs> and I thought that was a really, really good comment because it's like, do you remember how quickly they acted? Like how quickly the football fraternity as a whole acted right. on this. Mm-hmm. Within a week, it had collapsed completely. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> and you had some of the most powerful football teams in the world involved in this, and yet within a week it had fallen apart. And yet... In combating racism, the football associations around the world... Crickets. Much... Crickets. What? It's crickets from them. Well, I was going to say, they're pretty much reduced to taking a knee every now and again. <laughs> and it's like, I, I have no problem with the players taking a knee. I have a problem with the organisations of football accepting that is as far as they can go in stopping racism. Like, there was a thing where England played the team the other couple of weeks ago and the team who already were under suspension and closed doors for being racist to other teams were given something like a £10,000 fine and, and had to play three games behind locked doors. That's the equivalent of giving your child a five-minute detention. It's right. meaningless. I mean, in football, it's meaningless. And uh, I think we're going to wrap this one up there. Oh, sorry, Jermaine. We're literally approaching 40 minutes. For Curious Muse, this is a bit extreme. But it's been a long one, but we haven't done one for it, a while, so that's fair enough. Yeah, so I think that's uh, that's some grace given there. Yeah, Much yeah. appreciate your time, though, Mark. Jermaine, as always, you've been... like I just look forward to the day. I can switch on my radio or my TV and see you talking in a balanced and calm manner that you've done all weekend and you've done today. So... The day I see you and Charlotte front in this program, I can relax and think at last the media's caught up with where we need to be. Hey, it'd be great to see Charlotte on TV. It'd be great to see you both on TV. It'd be great to be in a, in a partnership. Like a, a <laughs> well, it'd be like, you know, imagine Terry Wogan and son. It'd be like that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. Or like Montel Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And son. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the other one? That one I like. Uh, he does quiz shows as well. Oh, what's his name? He's very good. Reginald D. Hunter. No, 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 no. Old like school. Him. Old, older than that. Um, I like Reginald G. Hunter, uh, but there's a guy who's older school than that. Um, he's a bit I'm religious. No, he's American. He was been in sort of uh, comedies, and now he does his own show where it's also he does that show. You know what? Name. Uh, now the first one to name something to oh, do no, with no. S and you've got to press the buzzer. Oh, 
Yeah. Uh, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, thank you. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. Him and him and his son would be good. So it'd be like Jermaine and, and son versus Steve Harvey and son. Now that I'd watch. <laughs> that would be awesome. That I'd watch. Steve Harvey, if you're out there, we're bound. Hey, and, reach uh, out, Steve. Come on. More than you, happy. And more, if anyone more, in Guam more, more, is more listening. More than happy to take you on. If you're a soldier in Guam and you know Steve, just get him to contact us. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> That's all we've got time for on Curious Muse right here on the Curious Anarchy podcast for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you all so much for tuning into the Astrology Story series, which is currently running as well. We do have another series coming, which is going to be out later this week. Shh. It's a secret. No, I'm only kidding. Look out for us on the at underscore Curious Anarchy Instagram and the Twitter for more details on that. Mark, any final closing thoughts? Um, I'm going to enjoy having no freedom of movement while I watch my European friends travel across the continent. And please be careful how you expend your CO2. Exactly. Save the, save the, save the supermarkets. Good morning, good afternoon. Good evening. Shalom. Good evening. And good night.